Hello and welcome to KeeperCast, the Keeper of the Lost Cities podcast. I'm Clawney. I'm Ivy. And this is episode 42. We're discussing chapters uh, 11 to 19, I think. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> okay, where, where do we begin? Where do we begin? <laughs> I meant like what happens at the start, but also... <laughs> <laughs> um, well... We start off with Sophie and Keith, and actually, it's right before Mr. Forkle's, Mr. Forkle, quote-unquote, funeral, question mark? Yep, so everyone's wearing green. Everyone's wearing green, because that's what you do. There was another great Gulan incident tease. There was. At some point, she's got to tell us, right? She has to tell us. She can't just hold out forever. Yeah. Okay, and then, but then, like, before they go, they hail Lady Gisela. Because Keith is just so great at making decisions. Because Keith is very good at making decisions. They're talking about Finton, which was kind of weird because he's irrelevant at this point. Yeah. But overall, they're talking about the thing that happened. At the end of Lodestar, I think. Yeah. And also Sophie's family. Oh, yeah, they got kidnapped. Yeah, kidnapping. Good old kidnapping. I also find it interesting that uh, Lady Gisela didn't know that Brant was killed. Because he's just sort of so disconnected from everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was really interesting. Because, like, she doesn't... um. Before, she was kind of in on all the, the Black Swan, not Black Swan, she was in on all the Never Seen Secrets and stuff, but now she really is, like, cut off from them and kind of her own agent, which kind of makes her scarier in a way, because, like, she has nothing stopping her from doing whatever she wants. Yeah, she's not, like, she's not part of an organization, even though the organization is admittedly really amoral and don't always consult each other they're still, like, holding each other back, whereas Lady Gisela just sort of does her own thing. Lady Gisela's really scary, honestly. Honestly, I feel like, okay, you know the, um, the, like, drawings that they did? She looks so scary in the drawing, and you wouldn't think so, because right next to her is Vespera, who's, like, a literal vampire, but just there's something about her. She has that aura of, like, I will kill you. She's making Sophie and Keith take a a message, that's what that word is, to King, however we're going to pronounce this. I'm going to go with Dimitar, because that doesn't sound right out, out loud. I'm realizing I've never said his name out loud. Huh. Dimitar. I think it's pronounced like scimitar, but with a D. I am just realizing that I've never actually said his name out loud. <laughs> I'm, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what will commence is more of Keith making really terrible decisions. But in the meantime, I believe Tam and Lynn showed up a little bit, and also Dex and Bianca, which is like more of them than we've seen ever. Everyone showed up, but like, I only care about the slightly more minor characters. I'm kidding. I, I care about everyone, but I care about them more. Oh yeah, Fitz is there too. Yeah, Fitz, Keith, those people exist. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
we have a little more of Sophie being very, very into Lynn. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny how every time she shows up, Sophie's like, and you know, and Fitz was there and Dex appeared and then Lynn with her perfect elven features, amazing good looks, was sure to dazzle the room and held Sophie's captivated attention for many. <laughs> it's like, okay, all right. Okay, calm down. Yeah, she does that with Lynn and like not to also insert my Sophiana shipper, but she also does that not here, but with Viana a lot. Yeah, she also does that with Viana. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of ships, uh when like Fitz is like wrapping his arms around Sophie and then Dex is like, if anything, I'm the one who's gonna fall over, and then Keep goes, Oh, I got you, Dexy, and does the same thing to Dex. Like, I'm sorry, but Keefex is Keefex. With Keeper of the Lost Cities, I'm just a massive multi-shipper. Like, someone will bring up yeah, same. a ship, and I'll be like, oh, I shipped that, I shipped that too, I shipped that too! Everything! It's true, and honestly, like, many, many, many ships, pretty much every ship among, like, among any of the characters in the main cast works, so it's perfect. Yep. It was kind of, kind of interesting to see Dex before the whole thing happened. Where there was still kind of like Sofex stuff, and it was like, wow, that. Oh God, we deal we deal with the thing in the next section, and I don't know how to feel about oh. that. <laughs> ah, that was special. Dex also brought up the triplets, and like talking about the triplets hits a little different after Unlocked. Oh, it's true. Oh my God. I know. I'm just still thinking about. Right, about Rex saying that he wanted to be a tele- te Jeez, technopath and build stuff with Dex. Like, every time I I think about that, I just get so sad. That scene lives in my brain, rent-free. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only rent it's taking is, like, my emotions. Yeah. Ah. And yeah, like, speaking of, like, group dynamics, in this part and a little ahead, like, just the whole group is being so supportive during this section. I, I'm looking on like page 150. Dex is kind of being like not confident as he does. And Viana's like, no way. No underestimating yourself like that. You're Dex Disney. You built the Twiggler. You translated the Lowe's Star Viana symbol. In this you house. built this. And she's, yeah, it's so good. She's like moral support, but she can also kick people's butts. So we love her. <laughs> also... Cam, Loki gives Keith like a pep talk. Oh my god, I know! <laughs> the Cam vibes are so strong the in this Cam part. Honestly, Nightfall was like peak Cam. Yeah, Nightfall. Nightfall in like that one scene in Legacy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, which one was flashback? Wait, Nightfall was six, flashback was seven, Legacy, Legacy was, was eight. Okay, yeah. Alright, okay, alright. <laughs> we got it. Dex called them out on making him stay behind and work on the gadgets. Yeah, you go, Dex. Like, go off. Yes. I love Dex. Um, and then they go to a place. Or if there's, is there anything else from this section? Because they do, they're talking for like a long time. Yeah, they do. They do kind of talk a lot, which I like because I like when the whole group is just yeah, like hanging so out fun. and being chaotic. Because sometimes it's easy to forget that they're, like, just kids. Yes. And I like it when they're allowed to just sort of be kids, even if they're working on, like, a dangerous mission. They're just, like, vibing together. And I love I love their entire dynamic. Yeah. And even the way they give each other pep talks is, like, it's such, like, a, a kid way. 
I feel like they're not going about it in a very serious way, but like it it fits a little better with the book and the story because they're just being so upbeat about it. And it's yeah, really they're like, nice. you got this. You're awesome. Yeah, exactly. You go. And it's just, yeah, I love them. They're my children. And then, yeah, so they, they, they light leap to the place. A really long, ding, dangerous staircase. They're supposed to go to Broomvale, but first they have to, they have to go in the very, uh, the very, the death staircase. Yep. God, I just hate reading about that, because I hate walking on, like, staircases that have no railing, where you can just, like, fall off. Ugh, don't like that. (laughs) That was also kind of, like, that, the whole thing, honestly, like, I know it was, like, a high-stakes, dramatic, scary thing, I don't know. But it really just felt like more, like, it really just felt like they were, like, on a retreat and it was a bonding exercise that the adults cooked up for them. (laughs) Hey kids, let's climb a bunch of stairs that we could fall off and die. Exactly. Like, when they were, like, stabilizing each other. (laughs) Also, they're doing that thing again where they, where they start to, like, talk with ship names. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Tyrkin's like, I don't even know what Fitzby is supposed to mean. Ha 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 ha. Ha ha ha. Yeah, I do wonder if that's, like, Shannon's way of putting ship names into circulation. Honestly, like, I wonder if she did that on purpose for the- Like, I wonder if that- if she did that, um, because she thought it- just thought it'd be fun. Or if it was, like, a Hermione situation where, like- <laughs> She wanted to tell people, like, oh, like, this is the ship name, or, like, this is the one that they would actually use. Yeah. Oh, Sophie yeets Alvar's thingy down a bunch of stairs. Radiant, yes, that's you what it's called. go, Sophie. <laughs> that just sounds so sad. Like, that was satisfying to read. Yeah, it was interesting to see kind of how they, like, Fitz was very okay with it here. Yeah. And that is a contrast to later on (laughs) (laughs) and then they go to broom fork man he's who is not lying there dead on the ground so yeah so they're like at this beautiful place and you know they're all solemn they're like we're going to send mr forkle off with this funeral and then he's like so hi kids um funny story (laughs) Yeah, this entire part just threw me off so much when I read it. I was like, whoa, what? What the hell? That's true. We were kind of, I remember reading it for the first time and just like laughing because it was just so ridiculous. Yeah, it was weird. Like that was was a weird. weird way to go with that. Especially because I predicted that either... Alden or Mr. Forkle would die in book five because like that seemed to be where it was going where they would like lose a mentor and then he did and then he did it <laughs> yeah which I, I wonder why he came back right like what would that what did that do actually I don't know like I don't know what the narrative purpose of that was I guess because if there wasn't a Mr. Forkle everyone would be dead hmm that's true <laughs> I mean, okay, one thing, um, one thing could be, you know how in Unlocked, they had, like, Brant's last name was, like, redacted in giant letters? Yeah. Um, and people were thinking, like, that maybe Brant was Mr. Forkle's kid. Oh my gosh, 
Yeah. Maybe he's still alive. Wait, no, but Brad's dead. Wait, yeah, Brad's... Well, maybe if they were both dead, no one would ever know. <laughs> that feels irrelevant now, though. I, I don't know. Anyway, he's back. We like him, even if he's a little bit useless at this point. <laughs> yeah. So Mr. Forgel explains his whole thing where he like, they have the, the twin telepathy thing. Twin nepathy, no, no, no. And so they would like share all their memories. Yeah, and when I think about it, the Forkel, the Forkel parents, that, that wasn't their actual name, but must have really not been great parents because that's a lot of pressure. I mean, but they were also doing it so that their kids could like lead a normal-ish life and not be ostracized for being twins so i'm kind of i don't know how to feel about the forkel parents hmm yeah i mean it seems like people from how we've seen people like treating tam and lynn and stuff i mean granted they are granted they are like you know saviors of the universe or whatever but like it seems like people are actually relatively chill so i feel like that's kind of excessive <laughs> right that seems like something that parents who were not accustomed to people being annoying and mean. Yeah, I wonder what Mr. Forkel's parents' background was. Because it said, like, his dad was a physician, but I wonder if they were, like, respected or not respected or what. Crack theory. Mr. Forkel's dad is Elwin. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, anyway, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's an interesting question. Because I feel like if they were, you know, if they were highly respected and they were nobility and stuff, they would kind of, their reason would be like, oh, because we don't want to, like, besmirch the name of Forkel or whatever. But then if they were like, what if Mr. Forkel is a backer? <gasps> would that work? Wait, oh my god, wait. I don't think that that's true, but could it be? It's probably not going to be canon. But it could be. That, huh. I can't think of anything that's, like, stopping it from being canon. Well, he doesn't have the eyes. That's true, but not every, like, you could have inherited his not-Vacker's parents' eyes. Like how, what's, Alvar has Stella's eyes. I mean, I'm pretty sure that Alvar is not technically, okay, I don't know. But I, I, I kind of was, like, thinking that Alvar was probably not Alden's son. That is interesting. But I don't know. Anyway, yeah. He I has... mean, he, Alvar refers to Alden as his father, but he could be like a stepfather or something. Yeah, or just like father in that he raised him as a male parent figure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, so like, are there any... I, I know that they have that whole section in the beginning of like flashback or whatever... Where, like, they bring in all the backers, and then... Do you remember if they ever describe any of them as not having teal eyes? I don't know. I'm gonna look it up. Luzia has clear blue eyes, apparently. Clear eyes? That, 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 that doesn't sound like teal. How do you have clear eyes? Oh, or just, like, they're, like, clear blue as in clarity. Okay, okay, never mind. We're good. Yeah. Well, anyway, the reason why we were talking about this was Mr. Forkel's parents. We got so sidetracked. If we want to be, like, done with this part, like, Sophie's reaction to yeah. when Mr. Forkel is telling her about this stuff were, like, very fitting. I thought that that was really good because she kind of, she wasn't, like, super okay with it. Yeah. She was like, hey, you kind of lied to me. That's bad. Or he withheld information. Like, yeah. she at the same time acknowledged, like, 
I I am loyal to you as like someone who's been my mentor for a long time and like I trust you but also like dude what 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 the heck and kind of calls him out on that yeah which is actually an interesting concept if you kind of apply that to like the other characters and and everything else that's happened because I feel like this kind of thing happens a lot with like Keith and um I feel like Fitz does this at some point Tam also like all the people I mean basically people do things and lie about them (laughs) yeah that's that's kind of the general concept I thought it was really interesting to see everyone's different reactions to Mr. Forkel. Mm, yes. And how that sort of shows their characters. Like, Fitz gets really mad. Bianca cries. Dex asks a lot of questions. Um, Tam makes Forkel read- I mean, Tam makes Forkel let him read his shadow paper. Um, and Lynn asked if the Forkels had ever regretted hiding that they were twins. And then Keith just sort of does all of it. <laughs> Keith just, Keith does emotions. Yeah, Keith just has every single emotion. <laughs> yeah. But then he also asks Sophia if she's okay. Uh-huh. That's all he, he doesn't actually talk at Forkle. Um, Which I think is really sweet. Um, like, it does, I, I, I feel like this is a thing throughout where Keith is the one who always makes an effort to check up on Sophie, which I think is really nice. And um, given her personality and also the number of very dangerous situations she gets herself into, I think is something that she definitely needs. Yeah. And honestly, that might be like, that seems to be kind of like a, a coping mechanism for him because I feel like this sort of thing would be like, well, actually, it's thinking about it now. It's like bad for all of them. Because like for Keith, like his mom totally betrayed him and that messed him up. Like... For Fitz and Bianca, Olvar betrayed them, which was also <laughs> bad. For Tam and Lynn, I mean, they basically had to live on their own for, like, many years and go to a school where the main tenet was, like, don't make friends, don't trust anyone. Dex, I mean, Dex is fine, but really none of these people... And then, obviously, Sophie has been betrayed many times by many people. Yeah, Dex got kidnapped in book oh, one. Oh, that's one true! Oh, but, I'm sorry um, for forgetting that, Dex. Also, like, Dex sort of went through a lifetime of ostrac- ostr- ostracization. I tried to say that last episode, too, and it didn't work. Um, someday I'm just going to learn to stop saying words I can't pronounce. But for his family, uh, for his parents being a bad match, and for his siblings being triplets. That's a really good point. I love Dex a lot. I am... Um, Always ready to talk about how I love Dex. Do you have more about how much you love Dex, or or is that I love just Dex. I love Dex. Ending? I love Dex. I love Dex. I love Dex. That's all I got. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> so yeah, like the whole cast has issues, and I feel like the last thing they need at this point, especially like now, and you know after hooked. Ah, that ending. The last thing they need is for more people to betray them and lie to them and like, I don't know, maybe like leave without telling anyone and just leave a very vague note that doesn't actually tell you anything and is also like, I'm sorry, but I'm not gonna stop doing this thing that I've done many times. <laughs> just a thought. God, can, just, can people just stop like betraying them? Like just... No. Yeah, 
I would I would love for them to just have a very quick and easy battle, defeat all the villains, and then just be happy <laughs> and like not no no more betrayals. Just yeah. happiness. Alternately, I think that Tam reading more people's shadow vapor would be very, very good. Because he basically can from my what I interpret it as he can basically read people's morals. Yeah. So like if he could just like I don't know, man. Like <laughs> I know that he like can't do it without people agreeing and then that's what leads to people betraying them because they they don't agree. <laughs> but I feel like if they utilize that power more, like they'd know more who was like secretly yeah, I feel like shadow va- reading Shadow Vapor is un- an underutilized thing. Yeah, and it's such a cool power as well. Like, all of them are cool, but being a shade is... That's like peak emo right there. Yeah. There's also the reminder that Dex's mom already knew about Mr. Forkle, and Dex said, uh, just when I thought she was done lying to me. And that's really interesting to think about how much Dex is like, worldview has been changed by Thing, his mom being... Yeah, no, that's true, actually. Squall, that's her name, oh my goodness. Because he realizes that he's been, like, again, not exactly lied to, but the truth has been withheld for him for the majority of his life. And I feel like for him, that might even be more shocking or more impactful, I guess, than, like, you know, like, Keith already knew his family sucked. Fitz already kind of knew his family sucked. But Dex, with uh, his relationship with his father, like, Kessler would... Kessler was the kind of parent who would tell him everything and, like, let him know everything and try and teach him as much as possible so that he could have, like, the knowledge and the skills to navigate the world. Dex really prides himself on that. And I feel like just having this big thing revealed to you where it's like, oh, like, one of my parents didn't tell me this thing, like... I feel like he would have a hard time thinking of any reasons why you would want to do that. Right. If that makes sense. I don't know if that, like, was coherent. No, yeah, that does make sense. I'm just talking about Dex again because I love to talk about Dex. As you may have noticed, I like Dex a lot. Well, after that, (laughs) Sophie is like, Sophie and Fitz are talking about doing more cognate training. And Sophie's like, I'm going to finally tell you my secret. And it takes a really long time in the actual book. She's like, okay, I'm gonna tell you, and then, like, doesn't tell him until almost the end of flashback. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. Oh, Sophie. But I feel like that is kind of a a barrier between them of trust that is lifted at that point, because I think at at that point she is, like, she does feel like she can trust him with that, which I think is also really sweet. Right, and I think it's really interesting, because Sophie grew up kind of being picked on, that that sort of contributes to her obliviousness. She also didn't really grow up around kids her age, so that kind of contributes to her... She's just completely unaware of the fact people could see her that way. Oh yeah. And so when multiple people, quite a few people, do, (laughs) she's like, just completely blank. Although sometimes it's like, Sophie pretended not to know what so-and-so is talking about. I'm like, see, now you're not even being oblivious. You're just being, yeah. You're just being difficult for the sake of drama and making us suffer. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a really good point, though. 
It's true. I never really thought or I hadn't really thought about like her not being with kids her age and then coming to the Lost Cities and and just like being suddenly being surrounded by people who have the same sort of like outlook on life, have the same sort of mannerisms and the way of dealing with things because they're all, you know, they're all like 13 and, you know, they have not to tie it back but to tie it back, <laughs> like, they have, they give, like, child pep talks. You go, you can do it. And it's like, maybe, you know, maybe she needed some of that. Yeah, Sophie just sort of needs all of her friends to yell at her that she's valid. Yes. She needs a good, old-fashioned, aggressive validation session. Yeah, honestly, doesn't everyone, like, if I could meet the characters from Keeper of the Lost Cities, that's the, that's the first thing I would do. I'd be like, you're valid and I love you! You're valid and I love you! You're valid and I love you! And then give everyone hugs. But yeah, so they're talking about, they're like, trusting each other. But then, they reveal the reason why they actually came to Broomvale. Because they didn't just go to, like, be in a weird place while Mr. Forkle revealed himself. They reveal that there's, like, moonlarks there. And, like, it's this really, like, sort of inspirational moment because it's kind of a reminder to Sophie, like, like you're still being taken care of, kind of. Yeah. Which is what Mr. Forkle wanted to tell them because he's, like, still alive. Yeah, I, I think the moonlark motif, like, going through the books is a really interesting one. That sort of thing of, we're letting you do your own thing, but we're also there for you as backup. And that's sort of, that's how, in theory, how the adults are supposed to sort of treat Sophie. That they're there for her if she needs it, and they're sort of there to guide her, but also she has the freedom to do her own thing. That does not always work out, but that, yeah. Yeah, I feel like Grady and Edelin do that yeah. really well. They're the best parents. I mean, they can be a little, like... They can be sometimes a little bit of helicopter parents, especially Grady around boys. Well, but even Grady is like, if Sophie wants to go off and like, you know, go fight people, yeah. like, Grady's like, yeah, alright, just don't die, please. But thanks. also, <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes they're like, at first, they started out off being really kind of protective of Sophie on anything that could kill her, because, you know, they've lost the daughter, but, and they sort of grew, and they realized, we, we should, we're her parents, we should make sure she doesn't die, but, like, she sort of deserves freedom, and she can handle freedom to do her own thing. Which is something that, like, not a lot of the other characters have at all. I think Dex has that a little, maybe. maybe yeah. like, Morella, although her situation is, like, also a little weird. But, like, Fitz definitely has, like, no freedom. And then Keith also. Well, Keith's, I mean, Keith's a scenario where he had so little freedom that he just, like, didn't. And then <laughs> he just noped, and then, like... Now he does whatever he wants, but... Right. I mean, but it, it wasn't, like, a good thing. I mean, if you put too much restriction on a kid, they're gonna rebel. God, I sound like a weird parenting book or something, but it's kind of this pattern you see. No, parenting books are like, you have to restrict your children or else they'll run wild because you actually know what's best for them. Yeah, but I sound like, I don't know, a weird hippie parenting book or something. No, but yeah, you're right. That is something about the... I mean, I think that's... I feel like... This may be just me. Sometimes I felt like they went a little too far. Like, I felt like sometimes Grady and Edelin would just, like, let Sophie do things. And then it felt unrealistic. But thinking about it in the context of, like, the Moonlark and of this greater vision of who she's supposed to be, like, that does make a lot of sense. Right. And I mean, 
Yeah, Sophie must be really stressful to parent. <laughs> like, hi, it's just, just as part of the package deal, I almost die all the time. Have fun! <laughs> yeah, like, <clears throat> yeah, and um, I'm just actually uh, destined to like save the world, so uh, you actually can't stop me from going and doing dangerous things, because if you do, bad things will happen to the world. So uh, I'm just gonna go do that now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, just imagine being great at Adeline and you just like get the frickin' chosen one dumped on you, and you're like, okay. Parrot this child. Yeah. I mean, they, um, there was a whole thing in the first book. Yeah. And then they decided that they couldn't handle that, yeah. And then they could handle that because they're great. And they did. <laughs> so great. <laughs> I, I could talk for I, uh, so long about how great Grady and Adeline are. So I guess if we're kind of, do you have anything else to say on this section? Okay, so I guess we can share social media. Uh, where this podcast is KeeperCast on Tumblr and the KeeperCast on Instagram. Uh, feel free to send us a message, talk to us, and then my social media. I am sewer 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 couch on Tumblr and Connie underscore Clue on Instagram. And I am Aylin dash Ashriver dash Galathinius on Tumblr. Okay, this has been KeeperCast. See you next week. <laughs>